Hello and welcome to the latest Colmer Had a Dream podcast. I'm here as ever with Ruth. Good evening. We are in a new, slightly more classier location than we have been used to of late. Um, so hopefully this is, you know, a great podcast. We're in a little Scottish pub uh, in Jamaica Plain where we live. So hopefully some, you know, some positive Celtic vibes will help yeah. us uh, record something good for you today. That was nonsense. Um, so on this podcast we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, news roundup. There's a few interesting things that have happened of late. We're going to talk about the squad for the Spain and Ireland game, and we are also going to talk about the Welsh clubs. Um, I'll start off with talking about Gareth Bale. Okay. He got injured, uh, missed Real Madrid's trip to CSK Moscow yeah. as a consequence. Not a surprise at all that they lost. Um, it, there's no real word being on how long for. Um, Given his kind of injury troubles of late, do you think you'd involve him in the next two games? I think I'd involve him as in call him up, have him at Dragons Park, have him part of the setup. I think his presence is important. I think his presence from a PR point of view is, you know, you you ruck up, get off that bus, and you watch him walk out. It has an effect on people. Yeah. I think he's important for that reason. Um, would I be playing him? I think. Really, we have to take Real's lead on that. We have to go with what they're comfortable yeah. with, particularly for a friendly. Um, I'm sure he's desperate to play against Spain, actually. Given, and a lot given, of his colleagues. Yeah, yeah. It's given um, who will be in the opposition. So I think I think it's a difficult one to balance. I think if it was a friendly against anybody else, we'd probably just see yeah. But against that team in particular, I imagine he wants to play. Really yeah, I wants agree. to play. But actually, I'm not sure it's necessarily even our decision. I think it's we have to. Depends what Real want. Yeah, have I to think go that's with fair. them. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I think if it was any other opposition, he wouldn't play. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the only reason he's been called up and is involved is because he wants to. Yeah. Um, personally, I wouldn't play him against Spain, uh, and I'd maybe keep him on the bench for the Ireland game if we needed him. But I'm sure that's not what he wants. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Personally, I can say I, I don't think it's a big rush. I know he wants to play, but we've got bigger fish to fry starting in a few months and when the, when the Euros qualifiers start. So that's got to be the priority both for us. And obviously Real Madrid need him back as soon as they can. Um, the other one, which I thought was interesting about our big guns, so to speak, was Aaron Ramsey. He's announced that he's letting his contract run down. Mm-hmm. Won't be at Arsenal next year. Seems well, is it more that, that Arsenal have made that decision rather than him? It was an interesting one. The, 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 the story that came out was that he didn't. He was letting his contract run down, but of course they said whatever on offer was there has been removed, mm-hmm. which again I thought was interesting, interesting. wording. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there have been a big host of clubs interested in him. I think he'll probably go in January just on the basis that at least Arsenal will get some money for him. There's been mention of Real, mm-hmm. Juventus, uh, Liverpool, Inter Milan, AC Milan, lots of places suggested. Have you got a preferred destination other than Newcastle United? <laughs> well, I'll leave Newcastle with you. Can maybe. you imagine? <laughs> no, I can't, actually. <laughs> um, I think any of those places that you, you mentioned potentially could be a good fit for him. It's more about, is he going to be getting some regular play? What you don't want to see is him just ending up as a adjunct a squad part, m- yeah. member. That that would be my fear with some of those bigger teams. Um, 
in in and of itself that might not be a problem for Wales. It might no, not be the end of the world if he's not. Injury but yeah, if well. he's not playing ninety minutes week in week out. But equally, you want him to be able to, to develop professionally and, oh, and, and and be you know get the get the plaudits that he should. I think fundamentally, I'm more concerned that he goes somewhere where they're gonna. Enjoy him and appreciate him, and I'm a bit less concerned about the where, really. I'm a bit more concerned about the where purely because I think if he goes to Liverpool, a he'll be that kind of bit part player we talked about. But I also think he might be. He's going to play in much more combative, physical games. Yes. The way that Liverpool play football is very high intensity, and I just don't think physically that suits him. Um, I would love to see him go abroad, and I think a move to Juve where he's alongside someone like Ronaldo and all the great players they have there would be great. The speed of the game is much slower, which yep. I think might suit him. And equally, that's why I'd be happy to see him go to Inter or, or AC if they're mm -hmm. rumoured destinations And if well. you look at their squads, the Italian teams do tend to be carrying just a touch less than some of the Spanish teams. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm, w I'm interested why Bayern hasn't been mentioned. That's a good point. Because um, they haven't, which is it just seems odd when yeah. you list out all of those. It just seems odd that they're not, they're, you know, they're not the name isn't thrown out as easily as some of the Italian clubs. I think perhaps a lot of their the strategy is built on developing their own players mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and they would maybe don't really see the need to spend yeah. the money. But I agree, they've got some aging players, yeah. you know, Robin, Ribery, people like that, uh, who aren't spring chickens. Mm -hmm. So he could could fit there. But I, I think, as I say, I think they're more about developing their own than. Yeah, that might be a budgetary consideration for them. As yeah, well. of, exactly. of that group of teams, they might be the one that's perhaps watching the pennies the most. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I think wherever he goes, I think he'd be an asset. But I personally would prefer him to go abroad. I think that would suit him a bit better. And I think we can see how much bail has come on by moving yeah. abroad, and I think he would benefit equally from that. Yeah, don't disagree with that. Um, so you you do think January is more likely then, just from a Arsenal point of view? I, I just feel like. They've spent a lot of money. He's asked not to be involved in the Europa League game tonight. Uh, we're recording this on the Thursday. So as a, that says to me that he wants to move in January so that he can, he can be involved in European competition. And the fact that Arsenal let him do that yeah. equally implies to me they're happy with that and that they, they will want him to go to make some money off him. Yeah. I think they're, you know, the whole thing that happened with oh, the Chilean lad... Um, uh, from Arsenal. The one who went to Manchester? Yes. Sanchez? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Trying to work out who you were talking about. How strong is this? <laughs> um, he, I think they're kind of, they're bitten by that and they don't want to lose someone else for a relatively small sum of money. Yeah. So I think I'd expect that deal to be in the pipeline, trundling along now, and they'll wait for someone to dot the I's and cross the T's. I to think about that <laughs> Um Come January. I would say the fact that the guy who was the chief executive or something like that for Arsenal has moved to AC Milan uh, and works there now, and that has been a, a, a rumored destination, that says to me. You wonder whether there might be something done already, yeah, effectively. Exactly. Maybe, maybe. I hadn't realised he pulled out of today's game. That that does set, that does kind of stack things towards January, yeah. doesn't it? Um, yeah. Well, we'll see. I think whatever happens, he is a he is a brilliant player, and I think. He'll go somewhere he's appreciated, hopefully, and, and plays regularly. That's the key for me. There was also um, a big announcement this week.
for the 2020 Olympics, the women's entry to the 2020 Olympics for football uh, is to be decided by the English football team based on their performance uh, at the upcoming World Cup. Whilst I can see the logic in terms of why England were chosen to do that, because they are most likely to get furthest, it is a frustration to me that the Welsh FA have, have agreed to this. Because again, this whole Team GB question rears its head again, which you know we're very keen to avoid. Um, and the fact that they've said yes, you know, raises just so many questions. And how would you think about it? Well, that's my main fear. I think it's everybody's fear. Is we we do have this precarious standing as a as an independent football nation. It's very precious to us, but you can understand how other countries around the world look at the situation yeah. in in the UK and and kind of shrug their shoulders and don't understand it. Just because it's important to us doesn't mean it makes sense to other people. Yeah. Um, I, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because I can, I can understand the situation with the women's game. The Olympics do have a different standing for, for the women's game than they do for the men. You can see over here, for example, when the World Cup comes around and the Olympics come around, there is a lot of coverage of the women's game over yeah. here. And if they're, look, if they're seeing that back in the UK and think, actually, here's an opportunity, how can we leverage it? Part of me can't blame them for trying to find a way to push it forward. I mean, we would obviously say that in Wales, it's, it's going to be pushed forward by the Welsh team doing well. Um, I do think we have to be mindful of the situation within FIFA, and particularly within the IFAB and that weird situation where there's the four British teams plus yeah. FIFA making the rules. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You can't argue that it makes any sense. Um, and I think we have to be careful that we don't put ourselves in a... a almost sort of being pushed into things, and quite a too strong word, but being pushed into things for for the sake of keeping keeping that the calmness around that. Um, I, also, I think there is a situation, it's clear, when we were talking with Jess, it was clear that she was disappointed she wasn't part, yeah, of, I was gonna part of the London Olympic team. Um, I think from a player's point of view, I can see they want to play on the biggest stage they can. And for the women, that is one of the biggest stages. I think to go along with that, this word... Oh. Alarms! Sirens! Hey, that was an ambulance. Sorry to disappoint everyone. Um, the fire brigade will be along in a moment. The, the, the thing that Jess made me think, that it might have been a request from the Welsh players. Maybe they asked the players and said, you know, what do you yeah. think? Because the one thing I do think is different with the men's game and the women's game that people easily forget when it comes to Team GB and, and whatever else is with the men they can quite easily take a standpoint of I don't need this I don't want this I'm representing my country I'm financially secure for the rest of my life I think what's worth mem thinking about there is there are very few of that women's team for Wales who are financially secure and I think they look at this as an opportunity to play on a big stage and beyond achieve their football goals you know achieve that financial security and I know it's maybe a bit of a, a cynical way perhaps of looking at it but I also think it's real life yeah and 
whilst I think it's great to have the principle of no to Team GB, if you've got a small window as life as a footballer in the women's game, which isn't as strong in the UK as it is here, then I think you've got to look to exploit that and make the most of it. So to me, I feel like the way that the FA have done things recently makes me think they may way well have spoken to the players and asked what they wanted. If the players were okay with it, they'll go ahead with it. And even, they may even have made come to an agreement with the English FA, um, which is, if we're saying yes, you need to involve some of our players. Equally, there's a flip side I did think, which was, we're saying yes, but we actively don't want yeah. any of our players involved. I, I, I think it could go either way, couldn't it? It could be, yeah, we're, we're not getting in the way of England effectively qualifying for this, if that's what they want to do, but we want now to do with it. The, the trouble is that GB label, isn't yeah. it? That's the problem. I'd like to think with some context that people would be able to see around it, but as you say, you know, a lot of the way that this works doesn't really make sense, especially to, to people who aren't from any of the home nations. So it's an interesting one, and it's uh, personally it's a difficult one for me because I, I totally agree with the principle of no to Team GB. But if these young players coming through, you know, are going to improve, then maybe through this they could go and play here and it furthers their career and everything yeah. else and it builds the women's game more. So it's, it is a very, very tricky one. And I understand this, there's so many facets to it that it's quite difficult, in my opinion, just to say no to Team GB the end. Yeah, it's a difficult... I mean, I think With ultimately... The men's I think ultimately that would have to be my stand. I think it has to be known because I don't like the can of worms it opens. But I've got some sympathy for the women's game where it does have a different standing. You Over here, the coverage that it gets is incredible within the World Cup and the, and the Olympics. And if you were a young Welsh player who's looking to make a move to Seattle, for argument's sake, or to North Carolina or somewhere like that, and you can see this as an avenue to, to, to put yourself out there, it's really hard to, to prevent Same that, though, yeah. isn't it? It's really hard. And I, and, I, and I agree with that. I mean, you talk about coverage, like you said, I think you tweeted out that playoff game that Jess was involved in, there were 22,000 yeah. people there. Yeah. You know, cl you, British women's club football, not even close. Not even close. Not even close. So I, I do understand the perspective. But it is, it is a very yeah. tricky one. And there would be an ultimate irony if Scotland go further in the World Cup than England, wouldn't yeah. there? I think that would be absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Um, really complicates things, I guess. <laughs> well, no, because it's, be, it's been declared. No, 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 but I mean, then... I'm not sure someone would find a way to reopen <laughs> a can of worms somewhere along the line. And I'm also intrigued to know whether Scotland... Ireland feel the same way we do about yeah. this and we don't know that so I don't know, it's a very interesting thing as I say, I, I'm, I'm totally with you I'm, I'm a no to Team GB for the can of worms it opens but I I don't think we can be critical of those players no. wanting it because it's a very different circumstance and I think we give it credit for it's yeah. not as black and white as just No, I think, it, I think for the men it's black and white yeah. I don't think it is for the ladies um, speaking of Jess Fishlock and women's football, uh, another seamless link there. I'm starting well tonight. Uh, Jess uh, Fishlock has moved to Lyon in the MLS off-season. Uh, the sorry, it's not the MLS. The MNSL. 
WL. NWSL. I think. We'll go for that. We'll <laughs> take that. Um, she's moved there in the off season after they got the playoff rounds, but got knocked out at the, at the, the semi final phase. Um, she's moved to Leon. She's also signed a contract extension in Seattle, which is great. Um, I find this really an interesting one. She obviously enjoys playing football all the time. Um, and that's why she's always done this. She was played at Melbourne in the off-season last year. Um, I can't decide if this means she basically wants to earn as much money as she can and and then kind of disappear in, off into the sunset. And like she talked about with us, talk about you know raising a family and everything else. Or um, whether she is considering what life would be like playing football in Europe and is maybe edging closer to home to have the baby and, and, and you know be a, be a grown-up as I call it um, because maybe playing for Wales is still something she wants to do give it one more go um, what do you think? I don't, I don't know I think it's interesting that she's gone to Europe in this off-season as opposed to Australia yeah. it's, it's presumably it's a step up Leon presumably it's like they're the best team yeah. so it must be a step up relative to Melbourne I did so some, I think it's sorry. interesting that she's she's put herself in a position where she's she's going to have to work hard this winter yeah. they're going to have like proper Very serious games yeah. and I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful of Melbourne in that regard um, so I mean she does this every winter that, that yeah. she like works she's a play. <laughs> she's a play um, but I do wonder, I, in thinking about your point, I'm not, my honest answer is I don't think it makes a difference because we really haven't got any serious qualifying games for 12 months. So in some respects, what happens this winter geographically, I don't think particularly changes the situation with will she continue playing for Wales or not. Um, I think if she, in some respects, I think if she has a really successful season and they and they win the, cha the European Championship, which they could quite possibly yeah. do, then that may actually be a bad thing for, for us. Because I think at that point she might be perhaps more inclined to think, oh, yeah, I've done enough, yeah. you know, yeah. um, this is, I'll see out a couple of more seasons yeah. with Seattle and not put myself through traveling back to Wales for the... Yeah, and which would be understandable. It's a, it's a big journey. You know, we know from Boston back it's big enough, and she's doing double that. So on that basis, I, I think you can make arguments for it being a positive move regarding Wales yeah. and having negatives as well. And I don't think we'll know, really. We won't know. It's when, it's when Jess is called up for a competitive squad next autumn that and she really has to make a decision. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. And I, mean, I think she missed out on the, uh, the squad that was made up recently for like a training mm -hmm. camp. And that was obviously some pre-planned. She's obviously giving herself a time frame to yeah. think about what she wants to do. Yeah. I did very cheekily <laughs> message Jess <laughs> and ask um, and told her that I apologise for being incredibly nosy <laughs> and she did respond thank you very much for that and to say that no decisions have been made that made yet so that does make me think she is using this time yeah. to kind of make that decision and she, she doesn't want to rush it and I really think because of how tantalisingly close I think there's a thing in her mind of I reckon I can give it one more go um, so I, I, I hope she does I mean She's put herself in a great position. Leon are top of the women's league. 
there through to the last 16 of the Champions League. They do like a no groups, it's kind of round by round right. knockout. So they're through to the last 16 of that. Play Ajax in the next round. So there's every possibility they can go far. I think they got to the final last year, Leon. Um, so there's a lot of. Yeah. And she got really there. close the year she was with Frankfurt. Yeah. And she came back to Seattle. You know, she did the kind of the right thing in the sense that she came back yeah. to Seattle and they won. And, you know. She did actually specify, or sorry, not she, it, the article I read did specify that she would see the rest of Leon's campaign out. Yeah. So I think she's obviously learnt from that before and is, is not keen to do yeah. to miss out on something like that again. Yeah. So I think that's that says something as well, isn't it? There's very much a purpose to her going there. Uh, so, I mean, fingers crossed. We'll, we'll, we'll watch it I hope closely. So. I hope yeah. so. Um, and if you're listening to us, please stay. <laughs> please, <laughs> please do one more. Um, I'm going to move on to the Welsh clubs just so we can stick and talk about the, the men's squads in a little bit more detail okay. after. Um, Cardiff, I was. I've done this first this time to <laughs> to end on a more positive. I had, I, I had my North Walian moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moving on. Um, we 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 were well. We I was fairly scathing about Cardiff the last time we recorded. Um, and I, there's not a lot I've seen that's kind of changed that situation for me. Lost against Burnley, and to be fair, I don't know if you saw the game. A little bit unlucky. A lot of the ball, more shots. Um, but, again, not clinical, not really ma- too many shots on target. My concern here is that we're six, seven games in now. They're joint bottom of the league with two points. Their goal difference is already six worse than the nearest po- the nearest team. Cassie and I. Um, who uh, I also think are going down, as I said last time, and I, and I stayed with that. Um, so there's a lot of kind of worrying signs. None more so than Neil Warnock saying he doesn't have a clue how to fix the defence. I am very rarely speechless, but that, I, my jaw hit the floor when I read, when I read that. I couldn't believe it. It's, it just seems a really odd... Well, one... Even if you're thinking that, to say it publicly is such an odd thing to do. The only alternative I can think of is that he's saying something different to the to the players. He's trying to drown play things in public, but I don't really think there's a game to that. No, no. And and publicly undermining your players and the fact that you don't know really how to do your job. I mean, it's like me saying, "Do you mind if I come and teach physics this week?" <laughs> Ruth's a physics teacher, everyone. Um, and, and you, the yeah. answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm rightly so, because then I would go into that situation and go, "Hi, kids, I don't have a clue how to teach you physics," and I could be, understand them being pissed off, and you sat in the room going, "What are you doing, <laughs> you moron?" Except he's doing this instead of front of, you know, six kids in in IV physics. He's doing this in front of the whole football club and the whole of the Premier League. I mean, it's just bizarre. It is bizarre. And the thing that I found really strange was if he'd have said, I haven't got a clue how we score goals, you shouldn't have said it publicly, but that might actually have made some sense. They clearly know how to keep it tight at the back. That's how they got promoted. Yeah. Even if you just basically did exactly what they were doing 12 months ago, 
there's this adage, isn't there, that the bottom of the Premiership is basically the same as the top of the Championship. We can argue about that, yeah. but you, but that's an adage. Loosely, yeah. Loosely. So, if Cardiff did what they did last year, then defensively, they should be in a position to hold their own with the Burnleys, Newcastle, Huddersfields of the world. It's clearly not going to work against the Man City, Liverpools no. of the world. Fair. But if, and it might be an argument that this isn't true, but if the, pre the bottom of the Premiership and the top of the Championship are somewhat the same ilk, then you, you should be able to shut up shop the way you were doing 12 months ago and approach things like that. What it got me thinking was whether they got lucky and things went their way last year in a way that it's not this year. Last year, if they'd have been in two games with teams that were down to 10 men, they'd have made it work. Yeah, they'd they would have, have got three away. points out of that. This year, Newcastle, Huddersfield, they ended up with, with draws. Yeah. They were... No, they only went down one two to Burnley. So... You just wonder whether the the ball was just bouncing for them last year and isn't quite this year. I do believe with in a, a, a sort of a window over time, those things reflect whether you're a good team or not. No, you know, the luck and the bounce goes with you because because you're good or you're yeah. not. No, I think that's fair. But right now, the games where they've tanked are the games. You almost kind of expect them to tank, you know, five five nil against Man City, four was it four four one against Liverpool, four one against Liverpool. Whereas in Newcastle, Huddersfield, and the Burnley game, they've drawn or they've only just lost. And I wonder whether they're kind of on that cusp where things are not quite going their way and there's not enough happening up front that they can sneak a goal, out. sneak yeah. a goal, you know. No, I know what you're saying. I think that's fair. The, the one thing I will say is is that whilst they've had a tough start to the season in terms of playing teams like Man City and whatever, they've also played, in reality, Burnley, who've had a yeah. terrible start, and the two other teams they're battling relegation oh, yeah. with. That's the problem, and, isn't it? And I, and I just feel like, you know, Newcastle played Leicester on the weekend, whilst we were dreadful, they didn't get out of second gear. Cardiff just aren't going to pick up points no. against those sort of teams. Um, and I'm not going to go and chew out Cardiff again. I, and a lot of people have said, Warnock got us here, he deserves a shot. For me, if my manager came out and said, I don't know how to fix this problem in front of everyone, I don't care what he's saying behind closed doors. That's really bad. Yeah, I mean, it's a red flag immediately, isn't it? Particularly when in theory, it's the strength of the team. Yeah, well, just, that's what it should just be. Just do what you did last year. I think there's a big argument that last year, you look at the boys playing at the back, Bamba, Morrison, that step down of quality of player, you can afford to make a mistake and get away with it. You're playing Sergio Aguero or whatever. Yeah, it's not... It's a it's, you, you, it's not going to work. That you against, can't get away with it. It's not going to work against the top six. It's probably not going to work against the middle ten. 
but you've got to make it work against the bottom six or so, haven't you? Exactly, and against Burnley, you would have thought that that is a for Bamba, for example, and Morrison playing up against someone like Sam Vokes. That should be meat and drink to them, and it's still conceded to Vokes scored. Um, I don't know, a lot of alarm bells there for me. Do you think when he says he's not sure how to address it, it's that he thinks he needs to do something? Actually, he doesn't. I mean, he definitely does need to do something because, I, I, you know, if you write off the Man City game and the Arsenal game and stuff like that, you know, it doesn't really matter. But it does matter how many you lose to. Yeah, that's lose by, sorry. Yeah. And it does need to be addressed. And I'm not I'm not expecting them to go out against Aguero and Jesus and all these players and keep a clean sheet. But when you're being beaten by that much, by the end of the season, we're six games in, their goal difference is minus 13. Ugh. Yeah. That's a worry. Well, and Huddersfield are there as well. Yeah. But again, Newcastle, I think we're minus five. And I'm not making this all about us, but we are in that relegation yeah. fight as well. And there's other teams down there. You know, you look at Fulham, they've won two games, I think. Um, Cardiff plays Fulham. Fulham are battered. Maybe not result wise, but in the way they play yeah. football. And if you can't do it against Fulham, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Burnley. I just, I just don't see where that's, it's coming that's from. That's a problem, I feel. Is if, if they were basically reproducing last year, then you've, you've got to find a way to get some points from yeah. the Huddersfield-Southampton-type games, haven't you? And it's not, it's not happening. I know, and I think that needs to be addressed. And your manager saying he doesn't have a club to fix one of the big problems is a, is a, is a big red flag. I, uh, as I said... The, the other thing I wanted to mention here, actually, was the statistic that came from that Burnley game. Mm -hmm. The ball was in play for 42 minutes and two seconds of the entire match. Say that, that again. 42 minutes and two seconds of 90. 90 that, plus. That ball was in play. At, that's unbelievable. Sean Morrison alone wasted eight minutes taking throw-ins. Now you've got to, you've got to think that that is a tactic to keep the ball out of play for as much. Genuinely, no, it has. Tony Pulis yeah. did it. You've got to think they, they're, they're intending to keep the ball out of play for as long as possible because other teams can't score when the ball's not. In no, play. no, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. That's less than a half a football. It's just wrong, isn't it? It's weird to me. So from that perspective, you can say I don't have the clue how to fix it. I can tell you what's not working, mate. And you know, I, I, that's that's the staggering thing. And I'm not. I, I, we chewed them out last week, and I didn't want to do it this week. And this is exactly <laughs> what we've done. But the point is, you can be as loyal to Warnock as you want, and I I, I think that's laudable. And I think Vincent Tan, even if he sacked him, I don't think he'd get the right person in necessarily. And if he did, I still don't think he'd keep him up. However, I. Uh, think if they want to give themselves any chance of staying up, he has to go. In my opinion, that's really harsh after six games, and I totally get that. But I still think that's the way it's got to be. I don't think it will happen, because I'm not sure that Tam views it that way. I think he views it as a year in the premiership. Make a load of money. 
in relative terms make some money. There's not there's next to no expenditure, relatively speaking. Yeah. The gates will be up. Um, parachute payments. Parachute payments. Year. Bit more TV money. Da da da. Yeah. I'm not sure he's concerned necessarily. I do want to move this on because I don't want this to become a Cardiff City podcast. And we've been talking for 30 minutes so far and we haven't even started talking about the Wales games yet. So, moving on to the Swans. Um, they're doing pretty well. A win versus QPR on the weekend. 16 points, 7th in the league, 4 points from the top. They're playing good football and they've not really spent any money. So, you've got to look at what they've achieved so far and what Potter's achieved so far. There is a massive positive. I think he's managing the squad really well with McBurney. He's not playing every game. Fur's not playing every game. He's coming back from injury. Boney's still to come back from injury. Um, the big question to me is, do you think they'll spend to compete in the playoffs come January if they're still in the same position they're in now? I think if it was most teams in this position, you'd say yes, but I've got doubts they will. They're so damn frugal at the minute. Just can't see it happening. Yeah. Surely you think they'd see this as an opportunity. Yeah. We see it as an opportunity. Surely they do, just from a financial standpoint. No, but... Th- to make that money back. But then... There's no outlay at the minute. It's not like you need to make money back at the minute. Well, surely they want to in the end. Like, if, this is a, if they see this as a good chance to go back up, as it could well be, and the, the only reason I say that right is because that they're the seventh in the league. They're behind teams like Leeds, mm-hmm. Middlesbrough, who themselves have spent a lot of money. Um, and there's other teams that have also spent money who aren't really doing no, well. I teams like Villa and I think we're seeing it from a football point of view. Yeah. I just don't. I'm not convinced that the owners are seeing it from the same perspective. That I just I just don't see them investing, even when we can see there's a reward. I'm, I've got no faith in them investing. Yeah. I think they might. It's my opinion, um, and I think, and I'm glad, and I hope that they do. Um, their upcoming games are Villa and Ipswich. Villa have got their own problems. Ipswich have got their own yeah. problems. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think the manager having a cabbage thrown at him and then being sacked. That's just an amazing thing. I don't like Aston Villa at all, but I saw that story. I was just like, well done, Aston Villa fans. That's incredible. Fat Stevie Bruce. Um, and uh, Chester was sent off as well. Was he? I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, I'll blame Stevie Bruce and a cabbage <laughs> for that. Um they have got two games coming up, and I would. Uh, the reason I mentioned the Villa one was obviously he's been sacked, and I think they'll uh, they'll they'll have a, the new manager bounce, I'd imagine, unless the rumours are either David Moyes or Sam Allardyce, two people I despise. So I hope they don't get a manager out. I, just to stick to this one, I, I think they are doing very well. And personally, I think they might spend, and I hope they do because I think I would love them to go back up. Um, in the same way, I would love to see a Cardiff Swansea Premier League derby yeah. once again, and I hope that does happen. Not at the expense of Newcastle, but um, Newport, a bizarre month in a way. Flinney has got the Manager of the Month nomination. They were 2 0 down against Yeovil. No, was it Yeovil they lost to? No, no, Yeovil they lost 6 0. 6 0 to, sorry. Uh, the good comeback uh, result against Cambridge, I think it was. They were 2 0 down and came back to win 4 2. Brilliant result. 
apart from that kind of 6 0 anomaly, they, they've been actually having a good month, and it does kind of get more interesting for them. They've got fourth place Stevenage and seventh place Forest Green as, as their yeah, two of their next three games. Yeah, they'll be real sort of marker games where they see so. what, what the reality what they're is. Actually capable yeah, of. yeah. Um, I mean, for them, they're 20 seconds. Sorry, not 20 seconds. That's a lie. They've no. got 22 points. Uh, they're only three points off the top. They're second in the league. You know, if you look at the fact that they lost 6 0 and they're still the second best team, yeah. I mean, that league really is anyone's. Yeah. Um, and again, I think they've got a great chance. They have kind of got a set of new players uh, over the summer, and Fling is obviously. Integrated, and that's why your six nils can happen, I guess. Um, but overall, I, I've been really impressed with what I've seen and heard about them. They've, they've played some really nice football. It would have been really easy, wouldn't it? Down, having lost six nil and then down two, to let your head drop. And I think the fact they came back from that, that says Settle something, yeah. yeah. And then on to your favourites. <laughs> Not that we have favourites here. <laughs> On to uh, Ruth's favourite, uh, Wrexham. Another good win uh, against Barnet. They seem to have this capacity to win tough games. Yeah. And sort of refresh Twitter as I go through things uh, on my live score app on a Saturday and just seem to feel like I'm waiting for it to well, happen. Well, you need to you need to tweet more often that they're behind or that the game is tight because they seem to score them immediately after yeah, you tweet exactly. in that. I, do, I, I count that as my lucky charm. <laughs> yeah. Every time I say, oh, still nil-nil, <laughs> not sure about this today, Wrexham fans, they score. Yeah. So you're welcome. Thank you. Sam Ricketts, I'm sure, will also <laughs> be sending me some sort of uh, complimentary shirt. Yeah. I mean, I think, the, I think the difficulty for them is not how they're playing or what's happening. It's just that league is so damn hard to get out of. I mean, that's one of the things I've written down here. Consistency is massive for them. The reason I say is because you look at who's around them. Salford have, have you know, throwing money away. Yeah. Um, and I think this. I think I read that Adam Rooney who plays up front for four grand a week. I mean, at that level, that's yeah, it's crazy. That's money. absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, it's also not that good. Anyway, <laughs> um, you've got Leighton Orient, who are also a very, very consistent side above them, plus Harrogate, who they drew with recently. I think it's going to be tough for anyone to come second in that league because you'd have to say that Salford are yeah. probably going to win it the way they're going. They don't play Salford or Orient now for a while. I think it's around Christmas, the end of November. Um, so I hope that they can kind of keep this momentum going and keep putting pressure on those sides. It would be a massive shame, I think, for them to come fourth in this league, which is where they are at the minute. Um, but, you know, it is a very, very tight division. And I think you've got these four, five, six, seven teams at the top of the league who are really competitive yeah. and, and pushing for it. Yeah. And, and, and Sam has got a, a very tough job on there when you think of the money other people have spent and, and everything else. I really hope he does well. And I think, what you know, come what may, he's shown himself to be a brilliant manager and, and really maximising the... He's got around I mean, I think I think maximising is a is a good word. Yeah. Actually, I think if you look at how <laughs> how they've gone in the what six seven weeks or so, you 
they couldn't have leached more out of that squad, I don't think. And I, from a managerial point of view, that's the best you can ask for. You know, you've got you've got this group of assets. Can you make it the best it can be? Yeah. And at the minute, Ricketts seems to be doing no, that. I and that's, agree. that should be your your marker for a decent manager. No, I totally agree. Um, we do need to move this on. Right. As we've talked for 40 minutes so far, which is our introductory chat <laughs> on the running order. Um, <laughs> we, we want and need to talk about the Spain and Ireland games. The squad got announced today. Yep. A few relative surprises in terms of omissions. Um, mainly uh, Roden, who I think has been playing well, deserves some sort of shot in the team. And especially when you consider that in Lockyer's absence, Declan, John and Jan, Jazz Richards have been called up, neither of whom have been playing much recently at all. Um, I, was, I was a little bit surprised by that. I would agree with that. It seems odd. Particularly when you're, you're calling up more than the 23 anyway. Why not? Yeah. You know? Just I, why not? I, I agree. Um, um, and I, I, I don't know, I, I just think it's a bit of a strange one. I'm glad to see Dummett in there again. I'm intrigued to see about Dummett what he actually does. He missed Newcastle's last match, the hamstring injury. And I wonder if this is a test of his commitment to Wales and whether he feels he can, he's in a position to let gigs down. It looks for all intents and purposes like he'll play for us uh, against Man United on the weekend. So maybe he'll kind of see how he feels after that. But I hope he kind of pushes himself and comes to play. Um, and the other notable inclusions and exclusions to me were King and Ledley. King hasn't kicked a ball. He has, he's not in Leicester's Premier League squad, yet he's in the squad. I know Ledley apparently withdrew through injury. He's, he's also not played for Derby, yeah. not through injury. So I'm a little bit... Personally, I'm glad that Ledley is not in there. I don't mean that in a horrible way. I think time's up for him, but I think I think King might be there because you want a, a mature head around the place. I think he might be the obvious one that's not that not when they cut it, when yeah. they cut that twenty three, he might be amongst that. I was still surprised not to see Guion Edwards, who I think has been playing very, very well for Ipswich. They're not they are not having a great season, but he seems to yeah. be having a good season. And from a, a kind of inclusion point of view, it seems an odd omission. No, I agree. I think it's a fair point. Especially, again, when you look at George Thomas, um, who's playing. Or is in the squad, sorry, rather playing. I, I, I was a bit intrigued by his inclusion on, on, the, on the basis of what you've just talked about. So to look toward the game itself, how do you think the Spain game in particular will go? I, I've read that it'll be a courtesy of Dragon Soccer on Twitter. I've seen that it'll be a a proper friendly international so to speak with just six subs and players do get caps and everything else so it won't become a free-for-all with loads of subs how do you think we'll kind of line up and start the game it's actually intriguing isn't it how we it's an exhibit game as in it doesn't affect ranking and yet people can get caps for it that just seems a bit weird in and of itself i think our lineup get, Assuming Bale is playing initially, I think our lineup will basically be what we put out against the Irish. See, I don't think it will. No. Purely because that's the lineup I reckon we use against the Irish. Against the Irish. Okay. So I think we'll be a bit more 
experimental. I don't think they will start. No, I don't. I, I agree with that. But that would be, like I said, on the proviso that he's fit, I, I could see us starting how we started against Ireland. I don't think the experiment with Roberts and Gunter worked by any means. So I can't see us doing that again. So if you're looking to embed what we had against the Irish at the CCS, why not put that out against the Spaniards and embed it and then be in a position to push forward with effectively the same thing against the Irish? I, know, I agree with what you're saying in principle, but I just feel like there's no point calling up. If that squad's going to be cut down, I don't see the logic of calling up Declan John, Jazz Richards, Andy King, those sort of people if they're not going to get some sort of game time. So personally what I think will happen is I think we'll start relatively strongly against Spain but with a few surprises in different places. For example, maybe Declan John at fullback and on one side and Jazz Richards on fullback for the other side. I'm not suggesting that'll actually happen, but something like that, right. where we'll kind of mix it up a bit, just in certain areas to, to kind of be a bit more experimental, purely on the basis that I think he like might then cut a few of those players when it comes to the competitive game against the Irish. See, I'm, on that basis, I'm, I'm trying to understand what the point of the game against the Spaniards is. I think the point of the game against the Spaniards is to see how much money Wales can make from playing in the Millennium Stadium. I mean, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. And I think I think Giggs may be on board with that. And I think someone has said to him, "Look, mate, this is a bit of an experiment. We're going to see how we go. Do your worst." And I, and I think that it almost doesn't matter. They'll cap a few extra people, and they just want to see how many people turn up for a game against Spain. That's what I think. That's why I think it'll no, be more experimental. I think, I think you're right in that criteria. The criteria is, does it work at the, at the Millennium Stadium? I think we're kind of all hoping it doesn't. Uh, as regards the experimental nature of the team, I think, going back to what you were saying about whether Bale will or won't, Play, I think the inclusion of Tyler Roberts up front might actually be as experimental as that gets. What, so he'll play at centre forward? If Bale isn't, I think they might try that. He's, he's been playing well, to be fair, yeah, I believe. See, He's got a couple see of how that works. I'd still be surprised if we see a team that's dramatically different from what we saw against the Irish. You might be right. I, 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 to be honest, I'm basing this purely on the way we set up and played against uh, Denmark. And they made a lot of changes that we didn't expect. And to be fair, the Irish side itself was more than a lot of us expected. Yeah. So I kind of figure he's just going to go on the same road. No, he, knows what, no. he knows what Jazz Richards is capable of. He knows what Declan Jones is capable of. Why is he calling him up if he's not going to give him game time? But, but you could say that about lots of people that were in the last squad. I know what you mean, but they've also been in and around the picture for a while. Those two have been out and brought back in. We're focusing on them. I, I just use them as an example. For example, to me, there's no value in Andy King being in that. 
in that squad unless he's going to get unless Giggs sees it as, a, as an opportunity to get him some game time maybe get him with a shot window so he might get a move in January something like that I think Andy King is perhaps the different one of those three because I think his experience might be valuable to the squad I'm not as sure what Declan John and uh, Jazz Richards are, are adding necessarily in that perspective but I don't think you can make an argument that there are players called up that didn't play, so why did you call them up? When in the last squad, Wilson, Woodburn and folks were there. We obviously want them to be valued parts of the squad. We can see the merit in them being called up. They didn't get game time last time. So I don't think that not getting game time should be the criteria of whether you're part of the squad or not. I personally just find it interesting. Like We talked about this before we started recording. Uh, and you mentioned, like, if that's the case, why isn't Neil Taylor in the squad? Because mm -hmm. he's also not really playing for Villa. Yeah. So why those two over someone who's experienced the highest of highs in Wales? Uh, you know, Vandy Kick's good around the squad. Surely Neil Taylor as well. I, I just, I, those two in particular, I find odd is the wrong word, but just a bit strange as to why you'd include them if he's not going to play them. Yeah, but I think that's... That's a broader question, isn't it? No, we, need, we need to find our 14 that are actually really our team. And so I think if you're 24th, 25th on that list, you're probably never going to get game time. So in that respect, does it really matter? And I feel like this is a, this is a conversation for another podcast. <laughs> but in that case, why bother calling them up at all? Yeah, when no, you've I got think. And, and, and I, like I agree. That. I mean, I think we would both rather have seen Roden, <laughs> Guion, those types of players who might actually add something going forward as part of the squad. It's just an interesting one to me in that it doesn't count for ranking points or eligibility. People get caps from it, but so why call them up? I, I personally think we'll play quite an experimental side with a strong spine. Like Alan, uh, Chester, Ramsey, and then you know who knows? You know, obviously Hennessy. Um, I'm I, personally, I think it might end up being a bit of a jumble. Well, I think that's the that's the problem with friendlies, really, isn't it? Is what do you really? Want but I think they become be? jumbles, yeah. whereas I think we might start a bit of a jumble. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, Personally, I, I don't. There's no pressure or weight or any expectation on that game for me. I think you'll try a few things. I think there's a lot of lads you'll keep the powder dry. And the reason I say all of these things to kind of get very long-windedly to the point I'm trying to make is common sense prevails. And we talked about this on the last pod in terms of how you set up for those upcoming games uh, and the, the way the Nations League works. If we beat Ireland, we're second in that group guaranteed on the basis that Denmark are probably going to qualify. All of Pote are going to qualify. Yeah. Us coming second in that group basically gets us in the playoffs for the Euros before a ball's been kicked in the actual qualifiers. So I think you might keep this powder dry to an extent on those sort of players and just kind of go all out in Ireland and get that game, get us in the qualifiers and... Uh, gets in the playoffs, sorry, and, and that be his focus rather than what to me is a money-making exercise against Spain. I can see the argument for 
obviously the island game is fundamentally more important. So I can see the argument of it doesn't really matter what you do structurally against the Spanish. But I think we suffered in the Denmark game from some pretty weird changes. I would rather see a bit of stability within, like I say, 14, 15 of the players. I think for what I'd rather see, I agree. I think I'd rather see that. Yeah. I just, in terms of what I think might happen. I can, I can see your point. And, and I am very much homing in on those two or three players yeah. as, a, as a bad example. But I don't think the fact that they've been called up in and of itself means they have to play. Because we had examples last time of players we would far rather see play who didn't. Yeah. The Bud, the, the Bud one? The Woodburn <laughs> one is an interesting one to me because he didn't get on last time. He has been playing a bit for Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield United, oh God. Um, <laughs> but he hasn't scored. I think he's got a penalty in the League Cup or something like that. Um, so I am a bit intrigued in terms of his involvement. And he's one we, we talked about. The difference with him is he's quite young and we, you know, it's just worth him being around the squad for the sake of being around the squad. Because I'm not sure of the value of that with the other two. But he's someone I'm intrigued about because he was at one point our great white hope. It's not working for him since. He is getting game time, and that's great. He certainly slipped down the pecking order behind Wilson and Lawrence. So he is someone who I would really like and maybe expect to see play against Spain at some point. Um, and I hope that he does get a bit of game time. Uh, and I see there's a real value to that. To be honest, I'm not actually that asked about the Spain game mm -hmm. at all. Um, I do just see it as this money-making exercise, and I feel like a lot yeah, of people I'm, feel I'm that more way. I'm more concerned that we don't get thrashed, and it doesn't. We don't become a mess that the Spaniards the exploited. I also think, though, it's worth pointing out that Spain are in a transition themselves. Yeah. They have lost a couple of players. There's a few people who've dropped out of that squad. Personally, I think the whole thing is going to end up being a bit of a damp squib. And, you know, there's a few people who people want to go and see, but in actual fact, going to see Sergio Ramos, when you actually see that in person, it's not very exciting. He's just Sergio, he's just a man stood at the back. Um, and I think it might become a bit of a damp squib. There's a pullout for them and for us. Yeah. And I think you're looking at, you know, five, ten pound a ticket. People who aren't really that asked about football, I think, will go. I just think it'll be a bit of a strange game myself. Yeah, I think it'll be a strange atmosphere, a strange game. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're preparing for a competitive game the same way, way we are. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, it just, it's, it has the potential to either be a nothing sort of game or a game where we may get something handed to us if we get very experimental no, I think that's, that's, what, that's what bothers me no I think that's a fair point um, I've tried to find out how many tickets have been sold but I couldn't find out on the website it seems like the bottom 
and middle tiers seem to be fairly well sold because I couldn't click on the specific tick I wanted to um, but I'm not sure what that actually equates to in terms of numbers I optimistically said I thought about 50,000 would go just because it's Spain but I really am backtracking from that furiously now I'd be happy with 40,000 and I think even that might be a bit of a stretch to be honest um, to move on to the game that I'm kind of more not concerned but excited about was the Ireland game in a bizarre way just because I think there's a there's a genuine bit of context to it um, I think as I said you know if we win that game we come second in the group I think that's a big deal that's the game I'd kind of go for for us to be full strength and again if Bale is going to start either game I'm wanting to start that way and ultimately I just want to see us set up and start the way we did against yeah. them at home yeah I mean that's what we need is we need that sort of performance on the road against a tight defensive team can we still break them down can we still score goals it goes back to a lot of what we've been talking about is there a plan B what is plan B what is plan A yeah. uh, and I think after what happened in Cardiff I think there'll be a a lot more pumped up, a lot more fired up, a lot more determined to make sure that doesn't happen again. I'm sure there'll be some changes in playing staff as well for them. So I do think it'll be a very different game. Ultimately, I think that's where we'll go full strength and I still expect us to win that game. Oh, absolutely. I think as a benchmark game, that's a game we should be winning. And as I say, I think we, we win that. We come second in our group. I think that's a big, big opportunity there for us to go and, at worst, have a backdoor entrance to the Euros uh, in a couple of years, which is very, very important. What? Um, so you think basically we might end up lining up against them in Dublin the same way as we lined up against them in Cardiff? Pretty much, yeah, with the exception maybe of Bale, depending on how, how his fitness thing goes. But then you're looking at that as someone like Wilson and Woodburn to come in and make a difference. What a goal Wilson scored against Man United. Um, I think he's really kind of forcing the issue for his place, I think. Yeah. Um, he's someone I would like to start against Spain. And I, in Bale's absence, I think he's someone I'd like to see play in there as well. Brooks got his first goal for, for Bournemouth. Yeah. There's lots of positive options. So, you know, we talk about it being experimental. There's still people playing at a high level every week who can play in either one of those games and kind of positively contribute to the, to, to the proceedings. Um, I would like to draw you on to your least favourite thing when we do these, which is a prediction. Uh. How do you think, first of all, we'll do against Spain? I fear we're going to lose against Spain, actually, because I, I think that we're... I understand what you're saying about how they're at a transition stage and that sort of thing, but there's still more stability there. And I think we are at a point where we need to try a few things. Um, I'd rather see us try what we tried against the Irish and build on it, but I understand what you're saying, that if you're going to try things then it's a game to try them I, I, I appreciate that I, I, I think we might go down 2-0 I was going to say we'll go down 2-0 as well and I think 
we might both put fairly experimental sides out. I think that may even be part of the agreement for it to be an exhibition match. Um, and I think their experimental side will be better than our experimental side if we lose 2-0. Um, we agreed on that. Is, that. is that a first? That might be a first. And we'll call that first. <laughs> um, what about Ireland? On the basis that maybe the only injury concern is Bale, then I think we should win that game. We really should win that game. The Irish are going to be tighter, they're going to be better organised, they're not going to give us the space that they did in Cardiff. But I still think we've got too many attacking options to not score against them. So what are you saying? Give me a score. Give that, me, that give might me be a, that might be a one nil actually. You think we'll win that one nil? Yeah. <laughs> You're not selling that to me. I'm not selling it, am I no. Um my logic is based on the statistical analysis that you have carried back carried on. <laughs> I think we'll score in that game. Thus we will not lose. I think we will win that game three one. Okay. Uh with or without Bale, I think we've got enough threat to do them damage again. Personally, I think Ireland, whilst they'll be tighter at home, I think they're in a little bit of disarray. Roy Keane seems hell-bent on pissing on every bonfire he can find, <laughs> irritating everyone. And I think there's a lot of people who probably aren't that fussed about playing for them at the minute. Their best kind of future hope, Declan Rice, appears to have committed his allegiance to England which whilst is a dick move is good for us uh, and I think they are at the beginning of the end for yeah, Keane I mean, and, and yeah, O'Neill they're at the beginning of a troubled window you can see that definitely. Yeah, from both a playing and coaching perspective and I think I just think they're not that arsed and I think we'll do them and I think they might get a goal just because of they're being at home and I'm being nice. I can see I can see it be one of those games where we're on top, but we just have trouble breaking them down. No, I can understand that. Yeah. I think it'll be an interesting game. I don't think it'll be a good one like it was in Cardiff, but I think it'll be an interesting game. So you think one nil, I think three one. Okay. Classically consistent uh, opinion <laughs> for you here at the Coleman Dream Podcast. Um I think that might be time for us to call it good night. Yeah, I think so. Have we got anything else you want to add? Well, there you are, ladies and gentlemen, from our potentially new podcast recording venue of The Haven in Jamaica Plain. That's if our Scottish hosts let us back in. Yes, very true. <laughs> we've got a collection of funny looks from people as we've sat in this place for the first time, as I feel like there's a lot of first dates knocking around. <laughs> you think so? I think so. Yeah. That could be a different podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. From myself and Ruth. Good night. Good night indeed. Thank you.